Well, hello there, my friend Jonathan Doyle with you once again. Welcome aboard to the Catholic Teacher Almost Daily Podcast. You know that secret about me? I'm a headphone geek. What's that got to do with you? Not a lot. I just wanted to share it because I've just got a nice new set of monitor headphones here in the studio. I'm very excited about it. Look, come on. You know, you can say whatever, but you've got something similar. We're humans. We've all got these quirky little aspects of our personality. So I'm very excited to be with you today because not only do I love the chance to speak with you and offer you some encouragement for your beautiful vocation as a Catholic educator, but because I just get to be in the studio with these very comfortable new headphones and, uh, you know, sometimes I meet people and we just, we get talking about the podcast and things and I start talking about the, um, the equipment and the microphones and they're going like, whatever. Okay. That's not that interesting, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be sharing this time with you today to encourage you in this incredible vocation that you have as a Catholic educator. We've just ticked over into Advent. It is all happening. I turned 50 last Friday, 1st of December, 1st day of summer. And, uh, we had the first Sunday of Advent on the weekend, and Karen and I were privileged. Uh, we're godparents of a very special young lady, and it was her first Holy Communion, her first Eucharist. So just, uh, why wouldn't you be Catholic, you know? It was the best day. We we got to go to Mass with all our friends and um, and just celebrate this special sacrament for her, this beautiful source and summit of our faith sacrament. And then a uh, wonderful afternoon, just uh, sharing lunch together and, and just celebrating that day. I often say to people, that's what heaven's going to be like, right? Part of our experience in heaven is going to be, you know, the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? So often in in our human journey, journey in this life, we we get these dim reflections of what's coming. But what do I mean? Well, when you're celebrating a good meal on a special occasion with people you really love and care about, it's a prefiguration of what heaven's going to be like. You know, every good thing without the capacity for boredom, the ability to experience and to enjoy all good things in the fullest and most perfect way. It's going to be great. I don't think we talk about heaven enough. I don't think we have much of a theology of it, to be honest. We kind of think clouds and harps, but it's it's going to be (laughs) way more than that, my friend. And we're heading home. I think that's part of me turning 50 is to realize that time is not infinite. Well, you know, I guess it is theologically as such or as until God decides to wrap time up. But uh, we only got a finite time on this planet. And each day as an educator, you get a chance to make a difference in the lives of young people. It's a special and powerful and beautiful thing. So I wanted to offer a couple of quick things today. One was just to uh, to mention a government report that I read yesterday about behavior management in schools. Uh, I don't, you know, there's so many committees, there's so many different things governments seem to be doing these days, but they launched a big inquiry into um, declining standards of behavior in classrooms here in this country. And, uh, you know, I kind of just found it interesting that, uh, that, you know, how do they address that, right? How do they, they, they can recognize it. They can sort of talk about, well, you know, we're seeing these declining standards and, and, but they, they struggled to really talk about what's causing it. They came up with strategies about, you know, giving teachers more behavior management training. I guess that makes sense. And, but um, the causes of it, you know, what, what drives these poor behaviors in classrooms? I guess it's a complex thing. I guess we can agree there's all sorts of factors, cultural factors, personal factors, family breakdown, impact of technology. But, you know, I think it's, uh, it's it's worth noticing that there are certain things about the human person that remain true, the desire for relationship, connection, belonging, recognition, significance, these different things that we crave and desire, relationship. You know, I think 
is it not true that, you know, can you look back in your own schooling journey when you were a student, you know, when you have a great teacher, behavior management becomes kind of irrelevant. You know, great teachers don't tend to worry, you know, they don't tend to have to yell or deal with too many issues because the relationship piece is in place. Now, again, we can always end up with difficult, a particularly difficult student. So no, none of us are going to get this perfectly right. But I'd, I'd mention a couple of things. One is, you know, Alfred Adler, whose psychology I, I find really interesting, he, he writes a great deal about friendship with, you know, in terms of education, that the ability to build friendship with our students. And of course, these days, that's a very loaded concept, isn't it? Because we want to have our boundaries in place and we don't want any, you know, level of uh, friendship or relationship that's in any way inappropriate. Of course, we don't want that. But the ability to have friendship with students, what does that mean? Well, last night, I actually ended up having a long conversation with my son, who's 14, and we were talking a lot about friendship and his friends and the concept of friendship. And, you know, it's always light and airy in our home. So I talked about Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics and the book in book eight of Aristotle's Ethics, we there's a whole book devoted to friendship. So I was talking to my son about this and I you know, Aristotle said there's three levels of friendship, right? There's the friendship of utility, where we're friends with someone because we can get something from them. There's the friendship of common interest, which is people are friends because they like a particular sport or a particular TV show or whatever, right? It's like, you know, we've all had friends where there's a common interest. And if that interest disappears, then the friendship often wanes. But then the highest form of friendship was what Aristotle called the friendship of the good, which was that each of the friends desires that good happens to and for the other. So that you desire good for your friend. You want them to win in life. You want good things to happen to them. You know, of course, that beautiful Catholic understanding of love, to will, to desire the good of the other. So, you know, Karen and I have been married 20 odd years and you know, 23 years, and I look at this idea of, I said to Aiden last night, I said this friendship, you know, in marriage is kind of like you desire good for the other. And of course, again, in our Catholic pastoral theology, we sin, we get it wrong, we need grace, we need the sacraments to keep doing this better. But let's talk about this just in terms of behavior management, that if we genuinely pray for the grace to desire the good for our students, then behavior management takes on an entirely different frame of reference, right? Because we're not about controlling our students. We're not about, you know, enforcing something on, onto them. We're actually trying to create an environment where they can flourish and grow. And I think this is one of the really powerful things about Catholic education, right? Is that we can, through grace, through asking the Holy Spirit to direct and guide us at all times, that we can begin to really want the good for our students and we want to create a classroom environment that is conducive to learning because we want them to learn because we desire the good for them. So I would just draw your attention to that idea, the idea of friendship based on the desire for the good of the other. That as Catholic educators, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the grace to want that for our students. So why can't you be disruptive? Well, because if you're disruptive, it demeans who you are as a person and that's not good for you. And it means that other people can't learn and they have the right to learn and it takes away from them and we desire their good. So I guess the, the, the frame of reference, the, the reason that we do behavior management is caught up in a much richer anthropology 
It's caught up in a much deeper understanding of what it means to be human and what the human person desires. So if you find you have a particularly difficult class or student, I would say begin to really pray for the grace to love those students, to desire their good, to want good to happen for them and to them, and allow the Spirit to just change that reference. I was interviewed last week for a radio show and we were talking about what it's like when someone comes alongside you in life and doesn't just sort of listen to you, but actually sees what you can become. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had someone in your life at a particular time who really encouraged you and sort of, you know, I had had a business mentor and a sort of spiritual mentor for a long time who's still a dear friend. And, you know, one of the great things they did was the ability to see what I could be, to see the future for me when I couldn't see it for myself. It was an incredible gift. And so I think it's another part of being a great Catholic educator, right? Where we get alongside young people and we desire that, you know, we, we see the future for them. We see what they can become. I mean, how many times do you think, you know, in the Gospels did Jesus, you know, his, his ability to heal and his ability to transform people's situations and circumstances, because in his infinite wisdom, he could see what they could become. He could see the redeemed version of that person. I think of you know, John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery, you know, just always love that gospel story because just the transformative encounter with Christ, right? The transformative encounter that Christ could see who she really was and who she could be. And it was in relationship with him that she was transformed. So, you know, as a Catholic educator, you really have the ability to have the heart of Christ for each student. So summary, you know, I don't think a government report's really going to change too much. I think if you just do more and more teacher training on behavior management, look, I get it. I I understand there's a place for it. Uh, You want to help new teachers just just have good practices, right? Of course, we want that. We want them to be organized and to just have a good sense of what sort of thing works and what doesn't. And just we want to give them those skills. But I think the more powerful thing is to build a classroom community and a school community that desires the good of the other and wants the very best for each person. All right, the last thing I wanted to share with you is I have been on a bit of a journey in reading the, you know, I've been praying the Divine Office morning prayer for many years, but I've started recently reading the Office of Readings each morning as well, which takes a bit longer, but it's really worthwhile. And each morning when I'm praying and I sort of think of you and and hope that uh, there might be something in there. And and this is from the uh, Office of Readings from yesterday, and it is from uh, the Pastoral Letters of St. Charles Borromeo. And it's kind of now, we're in Advent, so these readings are kind of touching on that. And this is this beautiful little paragraph here. It's very short. Listen to this. The Church wants us to understand that as He came once into the world in the flesh, so now... If we remove all barriers, he is ready to come to us again at any minute or hour to make his home spiritually within us in all his grace. Just one more time. The church wants us to understand that as he came, as Christ came once into the world in the flesh, so now if we remove all barriers, he is ready to come to us again at any minute or hour to make his home spiritually within us in all his grace. I love that Christ came once in the flesh, but this beautiful 
you know, insight here from St. Charles Borromeo that, that Christ did not just come once. He came once in the flesh, but he wants to come to us again and again in each moment, each day. And all we have to do is remove the barriers. And those barriers are going to be different for every single one of us. They can be barriers of busyness or addiction or, you know, or personality habits and traits and all the different ways that sin can hold us back. So as we, what Advent's going to do is if we strip away some of these barriers, if we ask for the grace in prayer to be really prepared, then Christ will visit you. He will, he will come to you more richly in this season. Yes, he came once, but he wants to come into your life again today. He wants to be in the life of your students today. All right, my friends, that's it for me today. Uh, If you would like to find out more, you can find everything you need on the website, jonathandoyle.co.co, jonathandoyle.co.co. Go and check that out. You can find me on Instagram at jdoylespeaks, one word, jdoylespeaks. But uh, praying for you. Thank you so much for what you are doing every single day as a Catholic educator. It is crucial. It is beautiful. It is powerful. It is important. It is transformative. Please make sure you've subscribed to the podcast. If you liked anything you heard today, I'd love you to share it with some other Catholic teachers. My name's Jonathan Doyle. This has been the Catholic Teacher Kind of Daily Podcast, and I'll have another message for you very soon.